Let's pray together. Father, what a blessing it is for us to be gathered, for all those listening on the radio, for those watching online, for all of us to be one people gathered. And we believe the words that you said in the scripture that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. So we believe you're here. So to that end, Father, thank you for blessing each person, drawing close to each one, that we may receive a blessing as your word is taught today. For we do thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, happy Independence Day coming on Monday for all those here in the U.S. And happy Sabbath. And boy, how I am excited about this brand new five-part sermon series that we're starting right now. That's what it's called. Toolbox for Life, Skills You Need to Thrive, where every week for the next five weeks, we're going to be dealing with some aspect relating to mental health. So for example, in just a few minutes, I'm going to be talking about how exercise strengthens your mental health. And then for the next two weeks, Pastor Ben and Pastor Prescott are going to deal with issues relating to anxiety and negative thoughts. And then Pastor Lindsay is going to get into the topic of how a social life strengthens your mental health. And then Pastor Jennifer is going to finish our five-part series with getting into, appropriately enough, how a spiritual life strengthens your mental health. I'm really excited about this series. You're not going to want to miss any one of them. I think there's going to be a big blessing for us. But some of you might be wondering, why a series on mental health? And I want to give you two reasons. The first is this. Because we've gone through something so significant in these last two years that they've affected virtually every single human being on this planet in some way, shape, or form. For example, let me ask you a question. I'm going to jog your memory just a little bit. How many of you remember where you were when Neil Armstrong landed on the moon? Just raise your hand for those online. Let us know if you remember watching it as well. Okay, I saw some hands go up here. Okay, I'm going to keep jogging your memory just a little bit. How many remember the unfortunate days when President John F. Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. were assassinated? Do you remember where you were that moment when you caught the news? Those online, okay. What about we're going a little bit younger now? This is where I kind of enter the picture now. We're still jogging your memory. How many remember where you were when 9-11 happened? I can tell you every single detail about where I was, what was happening. I caught part of it live on TV. Now, what I've just described for many of you, I think you would agree, are kind of generation-defining events, aren't they? You know, it seems like once in a generation, something so big happens that you just kind of lock it into your memory. You'll remember it forever. I've got some news for those of you that are too young to remember 9-11, those of you that perhaps weren't around back then. I don't know if congratulations are in order, but I think what happened with 2020 and the last two years, they may be your generation's defining event. So that's the first reason why we want to get into a series on mental health. And here's the second reason, because A lot of it doesn't quite seem to be over, does it? 
I mean, look, the lockdowns are done and masks are kind of mostly done, but much of this still kind of lingers. It's a slow-burning ember, isn't it? For many, at the very least, it's a minor inconvenience when friends and family members and coworkers get sick and get put out. But for many others, it remains a very real, yes, a waning, perhaps a distant, but a very real threat. Okay, one more question. A little survey here by show of hands, and just wait till I finish. How many in the last two years have had an even momentary increase in worry, stress, or sadness, or you were physically affected by COVID in some way. Maybe you, maybe you have a loved one that got sick or maybe someone that even died. So if you were affected emotionally in any way for any period of time or physically, just raise your hand wherever you are. Okay, I think most of the hands inside here. For those online as well, let us know. Yup, I was affected in some way. So look, friends, this is why we're doing a series on mental health because there's still stuff that we're dealing with. And today I'm excited to talk about how exercise strengthens your mental health. And to start us off, I want us to, oh, I want to confess to you, I suppose, a little bit of a baseline of where I normally am emotionally during Michigan winters. Is that all right with you? So let's put the first picture on the screen. In case you're wondering where this is, for those of us that are local here to Bering Springs, is if you leave the campus and you go on Timberland, drive. You go on Timberland. This is the cornfield on the left side. Are you with me? So this is November of 2015. One particular cloudy, blustery, snowy, cold winter day. And the leaves had recently been stripped off by the storm that came. And I drove by and it looked so depressing that I thought I would take a picture. And I got home and I wrote this little poem in reference to that depressing visage. The unrelenting march of winter has won. The leaves are done. White flags, hands up. The occupation has begun. For a time, silence and fear, whispers and jeers, but an insurrection is coming and they will yet sing. Of course, the insurrection being the coming spring that is going to come and the leaves sprouting and singing again. So just to set a baseline so we we know where we are, this is how I normally am in the winter, all right? I feel comfortable with you, so I'm confessing what it's like for you. I I don't think I have any Norwegian blood inside of me. I'm sorry. So winters are hard for me. I was born in Puerto Rico. Okay, so fast forward a few more years, and let's look at another post that I put. This is this past November. So November of 21, I tweeted this out. Winter arrived before I had the opportunity to despair and fear it. So in other words, here I was in November, the cold had arrived, I think some snow had arrived by that point, and then all of a sudden I realized that I seemingly skipped the stage of fear and despair from my winters. And I just thought it was curious. I didn't think too much about it. I just thought, oh, that's interesting. Somehow I skipped it, and here I am, and and we're continuing on. Okay, and then let's look at the third one. I posted this in February 2nd. This was after, you know, a pretty solid winter storm. And I just have to confess that Pastor Ben Martin gets quite a kick out of this one because I don't normally have this much bluster 
regarding Michigan winters, all right? But here's what I wrote, in case you can't read it. I said, and this is on my porch looking out into our neighborhood, yes, we got a snow day, but come on. I said, Michigan has been rather weak these last few years. Not sure what's wrong with me, but I'm wanting a lot more. I don't know why I said that, but... No, I do know why I said that. I was, I was feeling good. I was feeling surprisingly positive. But just so you know that, yes, I am human, and yes, I do have a breaking point, let's show one more picture from April 1st. In the U.S., it's called April Fool's Day. And here's, what I, here's the caption. This is looking out the backside of the wellness center. I wrote, please, what cruel joke is this? I suppose I asked for more, and I did get more. Now, look, why am I sharing all of this? Here's why. Because I'm confessing to you. I mean, I shared with you what my baseline has been in the past for winters. My baseline is not too good concerning winters. I normally fear them. And, you know, that, that field on Timberland Drive in the past, and I didn't share this in first service, but I'll share it with you now. In the past, I would always measure how close winter was getting by how high the cornfield was getting. And the taller it got, the more stressed out I began to get because I thought, oh no, like summer is almost over. You know, we're, we're in fall now, winter's getting closer and closer. But this past year, I didn't feel like that at all. This winter was seemingly the easiest, lightest, if you will, most positive feeling winter experience I've ever had on record. And as I've thought about why that could possibly be, I've scrolled through all the variables in my life and I've isolated one of them. It's because this past winter, in the fall actually, is when I began to implement very regular exercise and gym time into my routine. Now, I, I want to share with you a little bit of a testimony on that, so a little bit more on that later. But first, I want to share with you a few biblical principles on why physical activity is important and even necessary for the life of the believer. All right? So I want to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And here's the first principle. The reason why physical activity is important in the life of the believer is this. Because God created our bodies. Notice what the Bible says, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, I want you to notice something. That according to the creation record, man was not created in the same exact way that the rest of creation was created. In other words, God spoke, and it was. God spoke, and it became. But for man, all of a sudden, the construction company called the Trinity drew especially close to man and seemingly the most intimate embrace possible. After he had formed them from the dust of the ground, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. We don't read that exact configuration with anything else, even the animals, in the creation week. Now, let me ask you something. If I take a piece of wood and I whittle it into something, for my own fancy or entertainment or whatever, who gets to dictate the purpose for that? The, me as the creator or you as an onlooker? Me. 
I made it. I get to decide what it's used for. Thank you very much. And so that's why God, in the same way as our creator, he gets to dictate the purpose for which our bodies were created. And I want you to notice this. This is the second principle I want to share with you today. So principle number two, God created our bodies with purpose. Check this out. Genesis chapter one, verse 26. The Bible says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And look, I want you to notice that in the same way that God is the king of kings and has rulership and dominion over the entire universe, God here now creates man and gives him authority to have rulership and dominion as a representative king over earth. So check this out. Not only does God want man to use his intellectual capacity for the purposes of rulership and dominion, but he also wants him to use his physical ability to that end as well. Flip a page over to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. We're going to get into a little bit more nitty-gritty right now. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis 2, 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To tend and keep it. Well, what in the world does that mean? To tend and to keep it. It means to work and to preserve it. In other words, let me apply it even a little more. God here seemingly gives man the task, the purpose, the work of being farmers and caretakers. Let me ask you a question. Has any of you, have any of you ever heard of the concept affectionately called old man strength. Anybody ever heard of old man strength? Some of you have heard of it. Some of you that are older might not know, but those of us that are a little younger, we look up to you and we're like, yeah, that, that, this person exhibits old man strength. Let me define it for you. And, and specifically, I'm talking about people that kind of grew up as farmers or electricians, right? Plumbers, people that work with their hands. You know, sometimes I'll shake hands with them And because of the work that they've done all their life, and they might be 80 years old, but they've developed these like lobster claw, like vice grips for hands. And I'm shaking their hand and they're not trying to impress me. I'm just shaking their hand and I'm smiling, you know, but meanwhile, I'm feeling the life just drain out of my hands. That's what's called old man strength, right? That's what you get when you work as a farmer for most of your life. You work with your hands for most of your life. This is the kind of job that God intended for Adam and Eve and man actually to have. He gave them work as essentially farmers and caretakers there. But why am I saying that? Look, here's what I'm really wanting you to take note of. Here is man and woman, first family, in this perfect place that God strategically designed for their pleasure and well-being, and God wanted them to have physical labor and activity. Did you catch that? Okay, let me highlight this principle for you. We'll put it on the screen here. Physical activity is essential to our well-being because it is central to how we were made. Let me read that one more time for you. 
physical activity is essential to our well-being because it is central to how we were made. Apparently, it's one of the purposes that God intended Adam and Eve to, to live out in this perfect place in the Garden of Eden. Okay, so what about, some of you are thinking, what about after sin? What about after they had to leave the garden? Would, would the expectation be that their labor would increase or decrease? We don't have to guess. Notice what the Bible says. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. So turn there with me. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. Notice what the Bible says. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. And some of you are, say, are saying, well, Rodley, you know, that's because the curse that was placed on Adam, but that's not actually what the Bible teaches. Actually, turn two verses back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 17. Notice what the Bible says. And, and help me now, church. It said, cursed is the ground for... Come on, help me, church. Cursed is the ground for... For whose sake? For... For your sake, thank you, it said, in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So I want you to catch this, that God never directly curses Adam or Eve. Instead, in the creation record, and in Genesis chapter 3, he curses the serpent, and he curses what? He curses the ground, but do you notice why he curses the ground? Oh, it's it's so fascinating, isn't it? He says, He says, look, I'm needing to curse the ground now for your sake, for your benefit. This is something that's going to be good for you. So apparently, in God's mind, in his perfect genius mind, he said, look, yeah, in this perfect place, the Garden of Eden, there was a certain amount of physical activity that was going to be essential to their well-being. But God is now calculating and saying, look, after sin now, No, 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 no. After sin, we're going to have to up the ante. We're going to have to increase the requirement for physical activity for as a punishment to them. No, as a blessing to them. The Bible says for their, for your sake, it's going to be for their benefit. So notice this. So God's plan for the redemption of humans, God's plan for their character building it's so that physical labor would even be increased in the sinful world. It was going to be essential, in fact, to their well-being. Why? Because physical activity, it's essential to our well-being because it's central to how we were made. You're saying, okay, okay, fine, Rodley. Okay, in the Garden of Eden, I'm seeing now, okay, they had to do some physical labor. Okay, I'm seeing that after sin, after they had to leave... God wanted them to increase for their own protection, for their own benefit, for their own good. They had to have more physical activity in their life. But surely when I get to heaven, though, surely when I get to heaven, I'm going to be lounging on those soft, heavenly hammocks. You're saying, surely when I get to heaven, I'm going to leave that working class. Come on, somebody. I'm going to leave that working class and I'm going to join that leisure class. Look, there's going to be lots of blessings in heaven. And I'm intending to spend some time on that heavenly hammock and things are going to be good. But notice what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 21. Notice what the Bible says regarding what life is going to be like in heaven for us. 
The Bible says they will, help me now, they will do what? They will build houses and dwell in them. They will do what? They will then plant vineyards and eat their fruit. I don't know about you, but this sounds awfully similar to how things were at the very beginning. Do you notice that? In the Garden of Eden, God said, look, I'm giving you a job to tend and to keep the garden, to work the garden, to preserve the garden. I'm setting you there as farmers and caretakers of this perfect place. You're going to have physical activity here. Fast forward to heaven, this perfect place with transformed, regenerated, sinless bodies. And we're going to have some work. We're going to have some physical activity. We're going to have some labor, but it's not going to be a punishment. It's going to be a blessing. Apparently, the reason why that is so is because physical activity, it's so essential to our well-being because it's central to how we were made at the very beginning. Okay, third principle. So not only did God create our bodies. Not only did he create our bodies with purpose, but notice his third principle. God now claims our bodies for a purpose. He claims our bodies. Notice what the Bible says. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. The Bible says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? Honor God with your bodies. So can we do a little bit of Bible study together real quick? So keep your eyes in your Bible. Keep your eyes on the, on the scripture there for a moment. Let's just kind of walk through a few elements in here. All right? I'm, I'm going to push you to, to think a little bit. So according to this verse, what is the purpose for our bodies? What is God saying he wants to do? Yeah, he's saying he wants to dwell inside of us. God's saying your body, it's not your own. Your body is a temple that the living God wants to live inside of. Notice this. God is saying, my presence is not limited to the most holy place. My presence is not limited to the four walls of a church sanctuary. God is saying, my presence is inside of you. You are the church. So now go and bring and be a blessing to the world. He says, look, that this physical body that you have, I know you thought it was for your own glory, but no. God claims ownership of your body. Now, I just have to confess real quick that, you know, for those that are into fitness or exercise or if you work out, it's very easy to get this part a little bit twisted. I'm being a little confessional now. Maybe some of you can resonate though, because it's very easy to kind of cross the line and say, hey, my body is for my glory because I want to look good. Because I want to look a certain way, right? I mean, it's very easy to cross that line and to actually make our bodies, you know, to kind of idolize our bodies in this sense. But notice what God is saying. God says, look, your bodies, it's not your own, it's a temple. 
And the purpose for that temple is to bring my presence and blessing to the world. Because you are supposed to, you are the church. This is not the church. Every single one of you is the church. And you bring my blessing to the world when you leave these four walls. Our bodies are for God's service. Now look, I'm not saying that it's evil to be proud of your progress. All right? If you've been losing some weight, if you've been getting into shape, I'm not saying it's evil. You can ask my wife, you can ask my boys every once in a while. You know, I mean, I've been hitting the gym a little bit. You know, I'll, you know, I'll see like a little progress on my triceps, you know, or, or I'll try to see if there's some progress. And, you know, I might try to see if my pecs look a little different or something like that. <laughs> so I'm not saying, I don't think it's evil to be proud of progress that you're seeing in your body. But what I am saying, of course, is let's not cross the line of idolatry and confusing the purpose for our bodies. Okay, so how many remember the series we did last October with Pastor Richie Haverson, The Darkness Will Not Overcome? Anybody remember that? You were blessed by that, those watching online? In case you never saw it, you can go online, pmchurch.org. I think it's slash darkness will not overcome. You'll find it if you search around on the website. So here I am hanging out with Pastor Richie and, you know, we're hosting them and I'm taking them out to eat in the calf and we're hanging out, we're talking and I'm noticing something in particular. Normally, you know, when I would go to the calf, I'm kind of of like stacking food on top of the plate, you know, nice, healthy, uh, not so healthy amount of food on my plate. And yet here I notice Pastor Richie and he is eating what I can only characterize as a disciplined amount of food. Are you with me? There's not a lot of food on his plate, actually. And his tall guy, I mean, you know, for those, he's kind of like this Abercrombie and Fitch looking model pastor guy, you know. And, and, and I'm looking at him as he's preaching and, you know, he's wearing shirt. I'm like, dude, this guy looks good. And so one day I just asked him, I said, Richie, I feel like there's some kind of system that you're following because I'm noticing how you've been eating. You're not eating a ton of food. I'm eating more than you and I'm shorter than you are, a lot shorter than you are. And that doesn't seem right. And I said, and, and you just look good. You look lean. You look trim. He says, well, Rodley, yeah, you know. And, uh, and he begins sharing with me some principles that I began to incorporate post-haste into my life. And I want to share with you now Four lessons that I've learned since really locking in and honing in into the habit of exercise and going to the gym. But let me just give a little bit of a preamble or a disclaimer, perhaps. I'm not saying this so that you can think that this, that I think that this is exactly what you're supposed to do, right? You're supposed to hit the gym, how I'm doing it. No, I'm going to share with you some principles that are transportable and you apply them in your own way. Is that fair? Okay. So here's the first principle, especially if you're starting out, if you want to lock in to this habit of, you know, blessing your body, working out. Here's the first principle I want you to see. Don't make a commitment, make a plan. Now, how many of you, just go ahead and confess, at some point in your life have made some kind of New Year's resolution about losing weight or something like that? I'm sure there's more of you, but anyhow, yeah, whatever. (laughs) Three of you raise your hand. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, Many of us, I'm sure, 
at some point in our lives, you know, you've made a New Year's resolution. Like, oh, this is the year in which I'm going to lose, you know, five pounds or 10 pounds or 15 pounds, whatever it might be. Oh, this is the year in which I'm finally going to read more books. This is the year in which I'm finally going to do this. Whatever it is that you want to hone into. Well, look, if you want to do that, do not make a New Year's resolution. Do not commit to doing it either. Devoid anyway of making a plan. Have any of you ever heard of a book called Atomic Habits by James Clear? Anybody read that book? Okay, I see a few hands going up. Look, if you've never read that book, you're welcome. It has 94,000 reviews on Amazon.com, full five stars. It's the best book I've ever read on the subject of developing and mastering habits. All right? And this is what he talks about. So this idea is not original to me. He says, look, if you really want to hone in on something, don't make a commitment Make a plan. And he says that a plan actually has to have three things. And I'm going to give you an example of what it looked like for me, for my context, all right? So for me, it looked like this. I will blank. So you put in the the habit that you're wanting to do. So I will work out at, you lock in the time that you're going to do it. Again, we're making a plan here. So I will work out at 8 a.m., And then you identify the place. So at a minimum, you identify these three things and you have the basics for a plan. So mine is, I will work out at 8 a.m. at the gym. For you, it might sound like this. I will walk on my treadmill for 30 minutes at 7 a.m. So don't make a commitment, make a plan. And this is the plan that I actually started to implement after, you know, hanging out with Pastor Richie. I had been hitting the elliptical machines a little bit, and he was like, Rodley, no, you know, if you really want to get to the next level, you really need to start, you know, if you want to boost your metabolism a little more, you really need to start hitting some of the weights. And so I began to hit that at 8 a.m. in the morning. Second principle, do not be afraid. And this is unique to, well, it's not unique. It's, it applies to just about any kind of time that we're stepping out into some, something new, right? Whether you want to get into swimming, you want to get into whatever it is, oftentimes you can have fear. And I'm going to confess to you, I was actually afraid. I know, it sounds weird. I'm a 42-year-old grown-up dude, but I, I was a little bit afraid. I mean, I was going to the elliptical side of the gym, and I felt fine with that. But, you know, Pastor Rich is like, Rodley, you know, you need to start moving. Keep doing that, but you need to start moving to the other side of the gym. And specifically, I'm talking about our Andreessen Wellness Center, you know, the side on the top where they have the machines. You with me? Right where they have the machines. I was kind of intimidated by the thought of going there to that side. Because I was kind of like, man, that's like where all the cool kids are. You know, the people that know what they're doing and they're just hardcore and I'm not the cool, hardcore kid, so, you know, I don't, I don't fit in there. But I was inspired by Pastor Richie's testimony, and one day, I remember I finished hitting the elliptical machine, you know, for 30 minutes, and I closed my little Apple Watch exercise ring, and I thought, let me just walk like I'm supposed to be here. And I just walked over to that side, and I didn't really know what I was doing, and I just hopped on a machine, and, you know, just started doing random stuff. But my point is, do not be afraid. Eventually, I started getting comfortable with that side. And, and eventually, as I'm, you know, I literally started to talk to some of our students that go there. And there's several really buff guys. And I said, 
you know, one of them is, is, is Isaac, and Sammy is another one. I don't know if Sammy's here today, but... So I said, I said guys, what are, you, what are you doing? Like, tell me what you're doing. And they began to teach me and, you know, how they split their days and what they're doing. So I slowly began to incorporate that. And then eventually I got to the stage where I thought, you know what? I need to cross the Rubicon into like the cool, cool kid section at the bottom. You know what I'm talking about? If you've been to the Andreas and Wellness, it's super intimidating for me because, you know, that's where everybody's like, you know, doing, you know, all this stuff and a lot of weights, a lot of grunting going on. And I just thought, man, I, I was afraid. I, I kid you not. I, I, was, I was intimidated. I felt comfortable with the other areas now. But I remember on a different particular day, I just thought, okay, Rodley, time to be bold. Let's go, boy. Ah, so I just walked in there like I belonged. And, you know, I grabbed some dumbbells and just started doing some stuff. And guess what? Eventually, I just began to feel comfortable. And I see a lot of you there, by the way, as well. And you encourage me. And by the way, if you ever see me there, don't be afraid to say hi. I normally have my headphones on, but that's okay. Say hi. You know, we'll, we'll have a nice little chat. It'll be great. So the second principle, please, don't be afraid. It's a supportive community. All right? Okay, third principle. Discipline expands. And this is something fascinating that I noticed. Discipline expands. It multiplies. Let me phrase it a different way. One good habit leads to another. Because here's what I noticed. Once I locked into the habit of working out every day, I began to realize very quickly that you can't outwork a bad diet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? In other words, if you have certain goals you're trying to reach, and you could be working out a lot, but if you're still eating bad, you're not going to get the results that you want. I quickly began to realize that. And so I began to think about and be mindful about what I'm actually eating. Surprise, surprise. So I began to think, wow, that thing has a lot of calories. Maybe I'll eat an apple instead. And I began to think about how I could swap things and just be more healthy in my personal diet. So all of a sudden, when it, because I wanted to be disciplined in the area of working out and getting into shape, all of a sudden it began to multiply and one good habit leads to another. And I began to be a little bit more disciplined in the area of my diet. And because now I have less time in my life, because I normally go for about an hour, hour 15 minutes, something like that in the mornings, all of a sudden I have less time, all of a sudden I began to realize that, you know what, I don't have as much free time to read or do things like that, so I need to figure that out. So guess what I started doing? I started listening to audiobooks. By the way, at the public library, I mean, I, I ended up getting an Audible membership, but you can check out a bunch of free audiobooks from the public library. It's a thing. Just call them. There's an app that you download. I think it's called Libby or something like that. You can get free books, so you don't need to spend money on it. But here's my little testimony on that. Because I'm working out and I'm spending an hour there, I'm listening to an audiobook for a whole hour. And these last six months, I've gone through more books than I did in all of last year. So Again, one good habit leads to another. Discipline multiplies into many areas of your life. And I'll just share one more example of how discipline multiplies. It even began to multiply into my devotional life. You know, I normally get up at 6 a.m. 
that, that's my devotional time. And so if I'm going to be at the gym at 8 o'clock, right, I need to measure my time and say, you know what, I don't have any time to waste. Let me jump in at 6 a.m., let me not mess around to my time with God. Okay, last principle is this. That I've discovered something, and I assume it might apply to you too, that I'm happiest when I'm disciplined. And, you know, I remember at some point in this last semester, you know, I was talking to my wife, Yvette, and I said, honey, I said, I feel like I'm living a pretty disciplined life. And it makes me happy. In other words, I know what it's like to not live such a disciplined life in certain areas of my life. I know what it's like to be, to use a term, a little more slothful, if you will, in certain areas of my life. And I wasn't that happy, friends. I'm just confessing to you now. I wasn't that happy with myself. I don't know if that sounds weird to you or not. But I noticed when I started implementing more discipline into my life, especially physical activity into my life, I noticed that all of a sudden, I started getting a lot happier. I was more positive about life. After all, you guys saw the confession about my Facebook post and how I felt about winters in the past. All of a sudden, I've told my wife, I said, honey, like something's going on here. Because this was the, the easiest winter for me. You see, physical activity is essential to our well-being because it's central to how we were made. So again, don't misunderstand me. If, you want, if you're into walking, walk. In fact, the, the blue zones die, all the studies on that stuff, they talk about walking is the best form of exercise on earth. All right? You don't have to be, you know, some of this stuff, some weight resistance is good. But look, if you're into walking, walk. It's fantastic. If you're into pickleball, do pickleball. If you're into gardening, garden. The biblical principle, I believe, that we see that God instilled us with and created us with is physical activity. So we need to incorporate somehow more physical activity into our life. Now I want to finish by sharing a quote by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and look, this quote was given in the context of seeking justice. We definitely should be doing that. But, you know, I, I thought of this quote and I just thought, man, Dr. King, can I, can I just apply this a little bit to movement and exercise? Notice what he said. It just applies so well, if, if you would please accept this. If you can't fly, run. If you can't run, walk. If you can't walk, crawl but by all means, keep moving. In other words, do something. And I believe if you increase your physical activity in your life, it's going to bless you and pay dividends in your mental health. That's definitely what I've seen in my life anyway. And I believe it can happen for you too. You know, I want to make an invitation to you here today. Every single week here at Pioneer, we encourage everyone, doesn't matter if you're a first-time guest or a long-time member, to take some kind of next step in your walk with God. So I simply want to ask you, what's your next step today? 
And here's how you can actually get this delivered right to your phone. If you text the word THRIVE1, without the quotation marks, THRIVE1, number one, to this number. It's what we often use, 269-281-2345. You're going to get a little form texted back to you immediately. Click on it, and you're going to see these options appear in front of you. And I would love to be praying for all those that check off these next steps. All right, so I'm going to be praying for you. Maybe there's someone here today that's saying, you know what? I need prayer for my mental health. I'm not really in a good place for whatever reason, and I don't need to know why. But if today you want to acknowledge before God that you're not in a good place, you need prayer for your mental health, just, just check that off on the online digital connect card because I want to be praying for you this week. Number two, maybe your decision today is this. You, you realize and you're convicted that you need to add more physical activity to your life. Maybe you've been seeking a sign. Hopefully this is it. You've been waiting for the right opportunity. Hopefully this is it. Hopefully this will prompt you to, you know, just, just start walking. Walk for 10 minutes. Walk for 15 minutes, whatever it might be. But add more physical activity to your life. And lastly, this. How many of you today want to confess and say to God, you know what, I want my body to be used in service for him. I want to care about my body and I want to treat my body right because I want my body to be used in service for him. For those of us locally, how many want to raise their hand today and say, you know what, yep, I want my body to be used in service for him. I want to care for my body because I want it to be used in service for him. For those watching online as well, yeah, just check that off in the online connect card. Let us know whichever one God is prompting you to make. Well, friends, I just want to pray for you now. Let's just bow our heads as you're making these decisions today. Father in heaven, thank you for creating our bodies in such a way that physical activity would actually be a blessing to us. It wasn't intended to be a burden. Thank you, Father, for these scriptures that reveal to us that you also lay a claim upon our bodies. You say in the scripture that we are not our own. And so to that end, Father, you know all those that have made some kind of decision today. Those here locally as well as those watching online. Those that are saying, yeah, God, I need prayer for my mental health. Or, yeah, God, I I want to care for my body or any one of these different next steps. So, Father, I just pray you would touch and be with every single person that made some kind of commitment today. Help them to now follow through with the decision that they've made. Because, Father, I mean, the the bottom line is we want to be better servants for you. So to that end, thank you for being with us and blessing us. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen.